It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. And here we go. Happy Friday, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to today's show. On today's show, we're going to do a quick recap of Thursday afternoon's game there in New York, and then we will be talking with Drew Cook from the Blog Red Machine. Great conversation with Drew, and you'll actually see we, we kind of jinx the Reds on for uh, Thursday's game, but uh, that's toward the end. So anyway, before we get to all of that, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Himalaya. Also check us out social media at Locked On Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And then head on over to LockedOnReds.com. Got a lot of good content up there. Clay Snowden has an article about Jose Iglesias, what he has brought to the table, and what he can still bring to the table for the Reds, even after Scooter Jeanette returns. Definitely worth your while checking that out over at LockedOnReds.com. So, Thursday's game, the afternoon tilt, Noah Syndergaard was on fire. In fact, he is the sole reason the Mets won both pitching and hitting. He hit a solo home run off of Tyler Malley in his first at-bat, and that was all anyone needed as the Mets won one to nothing. Syndergaard pitched a complete game shutout. The Reds did have a couple of hits and a couple of walks on him, but for the most part, he dominated the game. And there at the end, there was a controversial call as Derek Dietrich was on first base. There were two outs, and Yasiel Puig was up. And just a few batters before, Jesse Winker had gotten himself ejected, and David Bell got ejected as well for arguing balls and strikes. And throughout the day, this umpire had been particularly inconsistent. Well, he chose to be super inconsistent in the top of the ninth inning. And in fact, the called third strike on Puig was a ball. It was outside, folks. I don't know if you've seen the replay or not. This pitch was a few inches off the plate, and I don't even think it was really that well framed by the Mets catcher, Wilson Ramos, but apparently the umpire thought so, and they gave a call third strike on Puig that ended the game, in which should not have been a strike. And and you know it's funny. I Sometimes I think Tom Brenneman is a little goofy on his calls. I really don't like how he interjects so very often his disdain for analytics. But he was on point at the end of this game. He was he was about to go into a tirade about how, you know, borderline pitches and how they affect the way that the game is going. And he was literally he literally said he's just like, you know, it's it's unfortunate, you know, you mentioned how you He's talking to Chris Welsh. Uh, Welsh had made the point where you can't worry about balls and strikes at some point in the game. And Tom's like, you know, you, you just, you know how you say that, but eventually it becomes a big issue. But uh, 
And then he went into a long pause, and he's like, oh, whatever, they're not hitting anyway. And literally muted his mic from there. Didn't have a sign-off for the game or anything. It was hilarious to see that just kind of, you know, a quiet ending as the Mets shook hands after that victory for them. They earn a split in the series, two apiece for the Reds and for the Mets. And the Reds are coming back home today as they will host the Giants in a weird weekend wraparound series in which they'll play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then also on Monday. A very odd thing indeed, but hey, it's going to be some home baseball. Finally, the first weekend series at Great American Ballpark. But enough about that. Let's head over to the conversation as Drew Cook joined me from Blog Red Machine. You guys are going to love it. Enjoy. For today's Phone It In Friday, I got the man who is in charge from the Blog Red Machine. Drew Cook is on the line. I guess it's a line. I don't know. We're talking on Skype. So, Drew, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Jeff. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Real quick, who's your money on this week with the favorite of the Kentucky Derby just deciding he's not going to race this week? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm going to flip it and make it a baseball theme, and we'll go with uh... – Jose Iglesias from Wednesday night. I'm going to go with game winner. How about that? Ooh. So I, I like that. He's going off at a five to one odds right now. So I think I'll take game winner with uh, Omaha Beach getting scratched earlier today. You got to like a horse with a name game winner. I feel like that's a lot of confidence just starting before the race is even ready to go. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. I think so too. That's... They've also got one called Win Win Win, so you know you never know what you're going to run into. <laughs> there we now, so I don't know which I don't know which one's more optimistic. I wonder if the owners know beforehand who's going to be in the race because that almost sounds like a troll move. One it of does, those. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Well, hey, with Jose Iglesias, let's lead off with him. I mean, what a steal they got in him. How on earth did the Reds pluck this dude for a minor league deal? I mean, your guess is as good as mine on that one, but I mean, when you're talking about the best player on the team, especially as poorly as the Reds have been hitting to start the season, I don't see anybody who's hitting better than Iglesias, especially in a clutch uh, situation. So as far as I'm concerned right now, he's he's your go-to guy offensively. He may not have the same power as guys like, you know, Puig and Winker, but he gets the hits when they're needed and, um, you know, in his glove is phenomenal so i mean you got an all-around player who's playing at a very high level right now it's hard to argue with i mean this early season has been rough on the entire lineup and i saw something that said that of the qualifying hitters joey vado's got the best batting average so i guess jose iglesias might be just a little bit below whatever the qualifying line is but overall i mean no matter where they put him in the lineup he seems to come up with a clutch hit and then forget about a ball that's hit to the left side there i mean he's doing a great job defensively oh he's he's picking everything up that's coming his way and you know does it i don't think he does it with the same flair that brandon phillips did but he's got a little bit of flair to him that i think you know anybody who loves watching defensive uh matchups in baseball i think they love seeing a little bit of flair with the glove in the infield so i have a great appreciation for watching him play i think it's a lot of fun Oh, for sure. He he does a good job of making it look easy and making me feel like I could play shortstop. But, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with, I'm with you there. It's it's been fun to watch him. Yeah, absolutely. I I, you know, I, I think it it's. I'm sure some Reds fans are going to question, you know, what happens when you know Jeanette returns and how 
they're going to balance Peraza and Iglesias because, you know, as, as good as Iglesias has been playing too, you know, Peraza's finally picked up his uh, bat, and I think he's hitting something like over 300 in the last, you know, seven or eight games. And uh, it's nice to see both of those middle infielders playing well. So it's it's a good problem to have, but I'm sure that'll be debated hotly once Scooter returns as well. Oh, for sure. And then, well, and you kind of mentioned that speaking of questions, we've got a manager. And don't get me wrong, I'm a David Bell guy, but he does so many things every single game that he he just invites questions from fans. I know, especially me last night, I was all, you know, I don't want to say up in arms, but definitely feeling some kind of way about the different decisions that he was making. What sort of impression have you gotten watching him over this first month of the season? You know, I'm 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 with you on the aspect of I'm a David Bell fan as well. I I, I like I, I like his demeanor. I like the fact that he sticks up for his players. Um, I like all that about him. And while I'm agree with you that there's a lot of questionable decisions that he makes, the Reds haven't made it easy on him either. I mean, right. you know, when you've got a bunch of one and two run games and a defensive switch or a pinch hitter or a lefty on lefty matchup could be the difference between a win and a loss. Um, I think they're, for lack of better words, I think that the Reds are almost forcing his hand to maybe overmanage a little bit in situations that you might be more, you know, if you got a two-run lead, you might feel comfortable leaving your starter out there. But, you know, we saw the other night when, uh, you know, Disco gave up the double and he goes ahead and pulls him in favor of uh, Wandy Peralta. And, I mean, I, I was I was on board with you. I was like, what is he doing? You know, Disco's having a great game, but... In in a zero zero game, I don't think there's much room for error, and I think that I think that uh, David Bell would rather play the percentages um, rather than you know maybe stick with his gut when we're talking about such a, a small margin for error right now. And I can definitely appreciate that a manager who is able to separate himself from the equation. That's not something that we've seen here lately with previous Reds managers. Well, and I think that's the reason we get so much. Uh, fans questioning what what's going on out there whether it's on social media or call-in shows or things like that i think that david bell is a very stark contrast to the way you know reds fans have been seeing you know their team perform over the last several years whether it was you know with dusty there or brian price and i think it's time though that we embrace this new analytics uh approach to the game because i mean we've seen it work in other uh, and other clubhouses, whether it's Houston or the Dodgers or, uh, you know, any of those number of teams that are going to analytics. And I think it's one of those things that we may not like it, but it's it's the new norm. And if it gets you the results that you want, it's kind of hard to argue with. I I think it's safe to say it's not even really much of a toss up in the air. I don't I don't I don't think Tom really buys, you know, Tom Brenneman, our good buddy, buys into the whole idea of analytics. No, I, I don't think Tom is on board very much at all. I I, uh, I appreciate what Tom does, and I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, you know Chris Welsh's analysis. But yeah, you can definitely hear it in in the tone of uh, Brenneman's voice when uh, certain moves are made out there on the mound or in the dugout. Uh, he's probably not in favor of a few of the moves that David Bell has made so far. It's intriguing too because seeing the way that people have reacted to David Bell and. Lord knows, I do not suggest, unless you just really want a good kick out of something, I don't suggest going and looking at the comments on a Facebook post by the Cincinnati Reds. That's why I love the Twitter account today in Reds Facebook. But 
in those comments, there's a lot of people clamoring, well, see, this is why they should have hired Jim Riggleman. Is there any manager that could have been more different than Jim Riggleman than David Bell? Uh, I think we'd have a lot more bunts, which I know you love. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, the, and the, the one thing that I, that I will say that I haven't been the biggest fan of with David Bell is the mixing of the lineup consistently. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no... He seems to have settled in lately on a one to four. You know, you got uh, I've seen Peraza, Votto in the leadoff, and obviously, you know, Puig, Suarez, and Winker have been pretty consistent in that one to four matchup. But you know, the five, six, you know, seven and eight hitters have been all over the map. I think when Senzel comes up, that'll add some more stability to the lineup, and that's probably my biggest critique to what Bell is doing. Even though he's following the analytics model and. Uh, you know, keeping up with what a lot of other teams are doing. I think that having a consistent lineup will hopefully help these guys get into a groove a little bit and maybe perform better offensively. But outside of that, I don't have too many complaints as far as what he's done. Speaking of Senzel, quick tangent there. Um, four Bring games, it on, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> four games seems to be the uh, the benchmark for how long they need to see him play in center field. Yeah. Well. You know, <laughs> you and I both know why he was not no, brought up to the roster. Definitely, I mean, definitely. and uh, but be that as it may, I understand it from a business perspective. In the grand scheme of things, if he's as good as we all think he's going to be, it's not going to matter because the Reds will sign him to a long-term deal before he even reaches that arbitration year. Right. And I, I, th- I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited. Everything that I see points to Friday, and um, you know, that's that's another one. That's it's a little bit odd to me is some of the negativity that I see on the social media in regards to Senzel. I'm, I'm excited and tickled to see him come up there, and I don't understand uh, some of the negativity. Maybe they're just a bunch of uh, fans of Scooter Jeanette, uh, but I'm, I'm ready. I couldn't be more happy to see him come up there. I think he's going to do a world of difference for this offense, even just motivating the clubhouse. I mean, those guys know how good he is, so uh, I think we're going to see a, a, a big change uh, in the lineup when he gets in there. I think he's going to provide a shot in arm, a shot in the arm to this ball club in more ways than just, you know, his production personally. I think that he's going to be able to invigorate some of the guys that maybe have been kind of languishing a little bit. I mean, you were talking about our our favorite dude to talk about right now, Scott Shubler, and then uh, looking at guys like Puig, who's been on a bit of a slump lately. I think he's going to kind of kick it into gear and just get those guys going. Not necessarily because he's going to be the leader of the ball club, but they're going to see the energy that he brings. And it's it might kind of reboot them a little bit. I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. I think that he's going to bring, like you said, an energy and an intensity to what's uh, going on. You know, similar to what we saw from Derek Dietrich on opening day and what we've seen from Puig when he's on. I, I think that... You know, and Jesse Winker uh, recently has been kind of that guy. And I think if we can have a bunch of players uh, on the Reds that have that same kind of mindset that invigorate, uh, you know, the team and get them moving in the right direction, I think that the bats are going to come. I'm, I, I have no doubt that the bats will eventually start going in the right direction. And as long as the pitching holds up the way it has, I think it's going to continue to set up for the Reds getting better and better as the season goes on. Right now, the Reds are in a little bit of a lull with their hitting. They're looking for production. They're looking for the guy that's going to come in and help them score runs. They're looking for talent. 
And you may just be doing the exact same thing for your business. Do you know what the best way to bring talent into your company is? ZipRecruiter.com. Today, through this special offer, you can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on and get a free job posting on their website. ZipRecruiter is so good at what they do that 80% of job posters receive a qualified candidate within the first 24 hours of posting. ZipRecruiter is the absolute best tool in today's society where everything is about technology and internet and you know it's all app based. ZipRecruiter gets it done. And again, special introductory offer through for the listeners of my podcast here on Locked On Reds. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And you'll get an introductory offer for ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I, I was reading a post Mark Carrick had in The Athletic. He was talking about how the Reds are the most intriguing last place team to keep an eye on. And I mean, <laughs> I, I love the fact that we're getting a little bit of national attention there. But, you know, even more so in the first 30 games, the Reds have played 11 home games and they've not had any weekend series at great American ballpark. I think with that coming, that's going, and he even said this, he's like, just the fact that they're going to be playing more home games for the rest of the way lends itself to believe they're going to score more with these home games coming up. I think one of the big things we're going to see is power from guys who have been caught up in different, um, I'm trying to think of the word. I'm not going to blame the weather, but you know, it's 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 just not sure. been, it's, it's not been the most ideal. Been ideal conditions for these yeah. guys to hit it, right? And, and I think that's going that's something that's going to come up with this lineup, especially with Nixon's Zell coming up. So, you know, I totally agree with you. I think it's a matter of when, not if. It's just it's taken so long. I was looking at it the other day that at least for the month of April and then those two games in March, is the worst batting average that the Reds have had since they started at Great American Ballpark. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on the, on the homestand being of, of benefit to these guys. I mean, they've been on the road so much. And then, you know, you got the Giants coming in this weekend. And then I think the following week they get the Cubs and the Dodgers. And, um, you know, hopefully that, that you know, being home is going to invigorate them as well. Uh, I think the fan base is eager for him to get home. And like you were saying on a weekend series to where you can actually have uh, more fans come out. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you totally, you know, getting back in a groove and getting back home, I think will help the bats. I mean, we all know how hitter friendly great American ballpark is. And when you put guys like, you know, Puig and the way Winker has been hitting the ball lately, um, we might see a lot of balls start flying out of GABP really soon. Speaking of, uh, and kind of changing gears a little bit, uh, the way that David Bell, has managed. He's also got a just really good staff behind him. I know Turner Ward's come under some fire for the way the team's hit. I don't think he's to blame for that, but no. that's that's a whole side thing. Derek Johnson has shown that he can take this pitching staff to a completely new level. And I know they got invigorated by a couple of additions to the starting staff over the offseason, but even guys who have been here are seemingly pitching better. I mean... I'm not like making that up, am I? No, uh, I think 
obviously I think all of us can agree that what we've seen out of Robert Stevenson is not even close to the same guy that we saw, you know, the last two to three years that he's been up in the majors. Um, You know, Peralta's having a really good season uh, thus far. And I think really without, with Zach Duke being the only exception, I think we can count on our bullpen to be in pretty good shape on top of the starters and, uh, you know, Michael Lorenzen has gone out there and just dominated too lately. So uh, what Derek Johnson has done for that staff, starters and relievers, has been pretty phenomenal when you look at, you know, where the team ERA is compared to the rest of the league and knowing where the Reds have been in the past several years in regards to their pitching. Um, I've been incredibly impressed with what he's been able to do with those guys. Another thing that had struck me about the coaching staff is a dude who's even further down the line in J.R. House. And there was a piece in The Athletic that C. Trent had talking to Tucker Barnhart about the effect that them doing pitch framing uh, practice, you know, basically making an onus on that in practice throughout spring and even still ongoing practices has been phenomenal in that Tucker said in past coaching regimes, they never practiced it. I mean... It's funny to think, and they said that the last couple of years, in 2017, he was rated 72nd out of 75 catchers who caught at least 100 innings in pitch framing runs. You know, they created a metric for it on fan graphs, um, kind of like a wins above replacement thing for pitch framing. He was 72nd out of 75, and then last year, there were only two catchers out of 86 who were worse than him, and now to this point, I sorry to keep inundating with numbers, but to this point in this season, he's actually in the top five in pitch framing wow. runs above replacement. I mean, can you believe that they've just completely you know changed their philosophy from hey, we didn't even care about it last year to this year it's an you know a, a focus well i I think you know in, in hearing what you're talking about with that that can maybe be an explanation for the pitching for the last several years as well. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the way the catcher and the pitcher are going to, you know, do that, that pitch framing is obviously going to have an impact on the way balls and strikes are called, but to, to hear that it's gone from so bad, because I'd, I'd read the same thing you did about Tucker being in like the bottom for the last two years to being as good as he is at this point in time. I mean, that that's coaching that, that has to be coaching. There's nothing, you know, other than that, that it could be. And I think that speaks to the the mindset of David Bell and his entire staff and what they're trying to instill in these guys. And I think that also speaks to the fan base of having to be a little bit patient. And if we didn't have previous coaching regimes that focused on something like that, what else wasn't focused on that maybe Turner Ward may be working with, whether it's, you know, you know, angle of the ball off the bat and things like that, all these different analytics that we hear about but we've never really seen from the Reds up until this year. So uh, all the data is there, and I think the the attitude of the new regime is to use it if it's there. So I think it's a phenomenal thing that they're doing and using all the available data to track you know anything from launch angle to pitch framing. So I think it's a great thing. But now, Drew, patience with a fan base. I don't know. I mean, they lost on Tuesday night. That means they're going to be really bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, you know, I, I I get reminded of uh, 
of of being patient all the time when we're talking about baseball. When Memorial Day hits, if they're still below 500, we can come back and we can discuss, you know, are we a buyer or a seller of the trade deadline? But if we're talking about this in early May, uh, you know, pe- baseball's a long season. 162 games is a long time, and a lot of things can go good, and a lot of things can go bad. And uh, there's a lot of teams that started out like, you know, they were on fire. I think the Pittsburgh Pirates lost, what, eight or nine straight games up until this last week. So, yep. um, you know, a lot of things can happen in a baseball season. They were. I think there was one point in the middle of April where they were talking about on Locked On MLB that the two best teams in baseball were the Rays and the Pirates. And last night, Blake Snell gave up like something like a billion runs to the Royals. And you're right, the Pirates just snapped an eight-game losing streak. So it just goes to show. Like, we live in a society that, at least when it comes to sports fandom, Everything is dominated by football, whether it be the NFL or college football. And, you know, I love football as well, but you have to change your expectations when it comes to baseball. There's just far too many games. And and I've been guilty of this. Like Tuesday night, I was frustrated beyond all belief. But at the end of the day, my frustrations over that one game carried over an entire season are just phenomenally bigger when it comes to baseball, because so much time still left to go. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it, it would be like getting upset over a fumble in a football game, yep. you know, <laughs> for the first, first two weeks of the season, you know, what, what were the Reds one and eight? And I mean, that's, that's almost the essential of getting upset out at a turnover in a Bengals game. So, yep. um, you know, I, I think the Red, I think the Reds are going to be fine. I mean, we're sitting at 13 and 17 as we're sitting here speaking right now. And um, I think as the season grows on, the players are going to acclimate to what David Bell and his staff are doing, and I think things are only going to get better from here. Absolutely. And I will say uh, we'll we'll start wrapping up the interview here, but something I did with Chad Dotson last week and want to do with you as well is that now that we are in a month into the season, a couple of, you know, off-season thoughts, maybe we, we figured that the Reds would be playoff teams or this, that, and the other, and now we've kind of seen – some games let's do a couple of bold predictions I'll, I'll give you he his bold prediction was by the end of the year Kurt Casale would be considered the number one catcher over Tucker Barnhart and I said that David Bell would finish not necessarily win but finish in the top three for managers of the year what bold prediction after seeing a month's worth of Reds baseball would you come out with wow I, I like that I like both of those um, I'll I'll go with this one. By the end of the year, Joey Votto will not lead the Reds in on-base percentage. Ooh. How about that? I, I like it. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to say who because I think there's a long season ahead of us. <laughs> but just seeing how he struggled, and I hope I'm wrong in that. I hope that he picks it up. But um, that, that I'll I'll go with that. I'll say that he does not lead the team in on-base percentage this year. He seems to have run into just a string of, whether they be bad calls or good calls, a string of called third strikes in which he's been rather frustrated, whether at himself or at the umpire. And it's something that I haven't seen at least this much of in recent memory. Yeah, you know, Joey's always... I think we're as res fans. We think that Joey knows the strike zone better than the than the umpires do. 
and does. I'd say nine out of ten times he's right. So, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I always get his frustration because you know if we're sitting there watching the Fox Track or whatever kind of uh, you know device that they use on the television to you know show the strike zone, usually he's he's right nine out of ten times. But he does seem to be showing a lot more frustration. And I think that's due to the fact I think Joey knows that. You know, he's the straw that stirs the drink. And if he doesn't, you know, perform up to his capabilities, I think the rest of this team, especially as young as they are, are looking to him to, you know, start moving this in the right direction. And um, I think he feels that responsibility as the veteran on the team. And um, I think that's why you see a lot of frustration because he knows how valuable he is to the team, whether it's a leadoff walk or a double. I, I think he knows that he has to get on base and he has to produce when he's at the plate. Something I think, and I'm with you, I could almost see someone else supplanting him as the team lead and on base, but he definitely falls into that category of when, not if, he's going to get better. He's not going to hit 240 for an entire season. No, I, I, Joey's, you know, he, he's one of those guys, you look at the back of the baseball card and you know what you're going to get out of him. Um, so I, I think he's just in a slump to start the season like he usually does. And I think we'll see him get going here, especially when, we, when they get back home for this next series and the following week when they're back against the Cubbies. That's what's up, man. Well, hey, we are recording this right at the beginning of the afternoon game here on Thursday. So just real quick, it's very obvious the Reds won. They scored 15 runs off of Noah Sendergaard. And Absolutely. Tyler Malley threw a no-hitter. So that was a really great game by the <laughs> Reds. What's your reaction to them now only being two games under 500? I, I, I expect them to be at or above 500 by the end of the month. So I think that they're tracking in the right direction after today's victory. How about that? That's what's up, Drew. Drew, I really appreciate you coming on the show. What you got going on over at the Blog Red Machine? Um, well, you know, we're starting off the month of May with uh, Senzel fever, so we're trying to figure out uh, who the Reds were going to send down and call up. But I think after Phil Irvin going down yesterday, it's kind of uh, revealed itself to us as far as what kind of moves the Reds are making. But I'm sure we'll have a lot of stuff on uh, Nick Senzel in the coming week. I think we're going to have a piece coming out on Michael Lorenzen. And uh, one of our writers, Scott Boykin, does a really good preview uh, before each series, uh, kind of citing which players are on, on fire and which ones are struggling a little bit. So head on over to Blog Red Machine and uh, check out Scott and all the other writers over that way. Definitely, if you have not already done so, definitely worth adding to your daily Reds uh, content consumption. Head on over to blogredmachine.com. Drew, I really appreciate you coming on to talk with me today, and we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely, buddy. Have a good one. Always love talking baseball with Drew Cook from the Blog Red Machine. Like I said, definitely go check that out. Put that into your daily uh, you know, content consumption for the Reds. They've got a lot of great stuff going up over there. That'll do it for this week on the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening to the show. Next week, we've got a lot more great Reds content coming at you. Make sure that you are ready to go with that subscription on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or Himalaya. You'll get automatic downloads as long as you're subscribed. And it shows up each and every morning. A great way for you to commute to work or get through a couple of minutes during the workday, you know, whatever you so choose. It's I enjoy doing this, and I'm glad that there's at least a couple of people listening. Thanks so much. You guys have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.
Go Reds, and I'll see you at the ballpark on Saturday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 